Welcome to the State of Business with the Ohio Society of CPAs. I'm Jessica Salerno, Senior Content Manager at OSCPA, and this is the show where we bring you the latest news impacting the business and accounting world from top experts. And after you finish this episode, please rate and review us on whatever podcast app you're using to listen. While accounting is known for its stability, varied career opportunities, and earning potential, it hasn't always had the same stellar reputation when it comes to being family-friendly. In the July-August issue of CPA Voice, our feature story covers how accounting has made strides to become more family-friendly in recent decades, and the actions firms and organizations will need to take in the future to continue to offer the work-life integration that top talent will look for from their career. In this episode, I spoke to some of the interviewees from that article. And please be aware that the sound might get a little choppy in some places, but we appreciate you listening to each interview. Here's Steve Black, Human Resource Manager at Brixian Meyer, on how COVID-19 has brought family life to the forefront of the profession. We've got to understand that the psychological scars are real and the battle is going to last a long time with, with COVID. And what I mean by that, I, I kind of some, some points that I had with that are, I put down, you know, people have real needs. There's real health care needs. There's real child care needs. Mm-hmm. You know, that people have real fears. You know, there's, there's people coming into the workplace that they're scared, and then they're starting to let their kids go back into daycare, and they're scared for that. Or they're just mad that stuff happened. But there's real fears, and there's, there's the next thing is people have real anger. There's been loss of wages, loss of health. There's been um, schooling that the whole families are dealing with those things. And I also saw that people have real fatigue. You know, families are trying to figure out masks, hygiene, social distancing, we come to work, we're trying to figure that out. Steve told me about Brixie and Meyer's focus on being a family-friendly firm. And we discussed how a crucial part of that is not coming up with a one-size-fits-all approach to policies. We've got to take time to listen to people individually to create solutions that fit their circumstance. Flexibility has got to be out there where a person works, if possible. I think it's understanding that each in the per- each in- each person has a unique set of issues they bring to the workplace because of family dynamics, and we've got to, as HR professionals, as firm leadership, we've got to take the time to listen to people individually, not just have this one-size-fits-all approach to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the third thing I thought about is we've got to communicate often and with candor. You know, employees need to hear how the company is companies responding to changing governmental directives, et cetera, and it's got to be a, a lot of communication, I think, coming from the firm, but also the firm listening, doing a lot of listening, and that's that, that point for taking the time to listen. I, you know, the fourth thing I came up with was HR cannot do it all. <clears throat> Supervisors and team members have to be empowered to listen and help families, at least the employees that are in there. They've got to be able to to really help and be empowered to help guide decision-making. So an example I'd give is, I don't, I don't think here at Bricey and Meyer, every person that has a child care issue needs to come back to HR and HR needs to make a decision or go to the firm leader. I think it's empowering people within, within the firm to be able to have good 
conversations with, with team members to understand their situations, understand what their family's going through, to be able to respond accordingly. <clears throat> and then the last one was I, I just I think we've got to do it also do a good job to bring a smile to people's faces. You know, whether that be random acts of kindness toward families or employees or fun activities. Doing something that helps recognize that, yeah, we've, we've had a, a pandemic, but that doesn't mean we can't <clears throat> strive to, to help each other holistically. You mentioned a couple points that I wanted to follow up with you on. Um, one of them was that it, it can't all be on HR, and I think that's a great thing to mention because a company can have policies, but if your direct supervisor, boss, it's kind of known that they don't appreciate you, you know, maybe taking time off for childcare or it's really difficult. Like that would discourage someone if their direct boss um, kind of casts a negative light on it. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, and I think it's, it's also where you have firm leadership, HR, building the structures that empower people to have conversations empower people to engage in dialogue and I'm concerned with some companies out there that that's never been part of who they are and now they artificially try to do it or they try to write up a 50 page policy manual for COVID and I just I really struggle with that because I I think that backfires Mm -hmm. How do you think that, I know that you mentioned um, having, fostering those conversations, but um, as far as families are concerned, obviously COVID, I think with a lot of people working from home has brought that to the forefront, but taking a step back um, just in general, are there any policies or guidelines that can speak to supporting families specifically? Uh, yeah. One is, is if there's rethinking flexibility in the workplace, mm-hmm. um, working from home. Some, I mean, I'm amazed sometimes where for all, all a person sometimes needs is just to say, hey, on two days a week, is it okay if I work from home? I don't have any childcare, but I can, but I have childcare the other day. Like, like working with them. So I think if there's a more of a policy, or not even a policy, but just guidelines of saying. We'll work with you during those times. I think that's one. Two is helping people or allowing people to use PTO mm-hmm. and not, you know, clamping down, especially now in the accounting world, especially once we get past July 15th. There's a lot of, a lot of time people have. I, I think those are, those are two things that come to my mind. Another one is that I can be really supportive is I think it's an HR rule of helping helping workers understand their benefits and then in turn hopefully their families are understanding their benefits a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And that can be anything from that. There's so much stuff that health insurance companies are providing, such as like free telehealth. And there's so many things that I think can help in regards to that. that not necessarily a policy, but I think that's the best practice. Steve mentioned the value and flexibility, and I spoke with Andrea Minardi, CPA and partner at Crow, about their policy of working from wherever makes the most sense for that day. And it gives our teams the ability to choose where to work. So 
if you need to be at a client, you're at a client. If you want to be in the office, you're in the office. If you need to work from home for the day, you're from home. You work from home or a coffee shop or whatever. Um, we've given our employees the ability to work where it makes the most sense for them while still meeting their client needs. But as an auditor, we always had some flexibility. Um, you know, you'd work at a client and if you, you know, had an appointment in the middle of the day, you might go to your appointment and then work from home the rest of the day. And we've always had the, the technology to be able to do that. Um, but the where to work policy change for me kind of erased the stigma of, well, I don't really need to work from home, so I need to be in the office. So my my mindset was always like, well, if I have an appointment in the afternoon, I need to go in and work until I need to go, you know, wherever for my appointment, whether it be home because there's, you know, an electrician coming or to the doctor's office or, you know, wherever it was. I felt guilty right or wrong, like it wasn't, no one made me feel that way. I made myself feel that way. Um, and, and now it's just, you, you, if you need to be at home to do whatever, then you just, you need to work from home that day and let your team know where you are and, and kind of carry forward like that. So that was probably the biggest policy change that really impacted both parents and everyone within the firm. And I think from a parent standpoint, I don't know that it's a formal policy, but it's it's Crow's culture. Um, I have never felt, and, and just for my your background, I've been at Crow 19 years. I have um, I'm an almost 10 year old and almost seven year old here. Um, within the next three weeks, we have two birthdays, and I have never felt when I needed to leave because I got that phone call at two o'clock or ten o'clock or whatever it be that says you know, hey, Andrea, Morgan's got a fever. And everyone knows if your kid has a fever, you're out the next day. Right. Um, <laughs> you, just, you can't take them back. Um, I, I I always felt very empowered to just walk into whosever office it was that I was working with or, or whatever and say, hey, I've got to go pick them up, figure out what's going on, go to the doctor. Um, I'll let you know. And that it's always been that easy. Um and I think that many of our colleagues feel that way. I think I think the tone from the top down at Crow has just always been, you need to take care of yourself as well. Um, you know, we we talk about like our win cube. It's a win for the client. It's a win for the firm, and it's a win for our employee. Um, and if things don't work for all three, then then they don't work. Andrea's colleague Courtney Kurtz, CPA and audit manager has also been positively impacted by Crow's culture and been able to figure out a work-life integration that makes sense for her family. So I originally started with Crow years ago. I was there about five years. I had my son Lincoln. Um, he's almost five. Um, and kind of after that, I decided to make the move to private. Um, audit can be a little challenging at times, so I kind of switched. And I was working um, in an internal audit department um, for a few years and recently returned to Crow um, last September. Yep, that's right. So I've been back at Crow for about six months. Um, leaving Crow was always a difficult kind of decision. Andrea knows that as we stayed in touch. Um, I think we all knew when I left originally. Um, but it was just the atmosphere, the culture um, is just something that's always stuck with me. Um, like Andrea mentioned, it's kind of like 
if something happens, you take care of your people first. Um, that kind of always comes first. Um, and you don't hesitate to do that. Um, so while I was, Mike's son is also a cancer survivor. Um, he recently finished up his treatment. So I'm actually working in FWA or a flexible work arrangement right now. Um, so I work um, not the traditional busy season, but I work try to stick to 40 hours a week during the busy season. And then now during the summer, I'm down to 30 hours a week. Um, and that really helps me to kind of still be actively involved, do a good job at work, but also kind of manage the requirements of my home life with a four-year-old <laughs> at this point. So that's been just critically important to me to have that. A, as Andrea mentioned, that flexibility to kind of work from home with needed. Um, I, more than most people, have, oh, someone's not feeling good. I need to go home. Um, and I know that I can drop everything and put family first. Um, and it just feels kind of like a big team or a family that kind of works together. Um, and then also having that where to work, as Andrea mentioned, um, while I really miss <laughs> being face to face and I deferred to that, um, being at the client, being in the office before all COVID hit, knowing that you have the flexibility to work from home on for half a day or a day or even the week if something was happening. Um, so I think it's really been a combination of, um, the culture that's really hard to define. You can't really set that in the policy, but um, the people that we have at Crow and how they support each other. Um, and then that where to work policy and also just the flexibility um, and allowing for these flexible work arrangements. I know I'm not alone. Um, there's many others throughout the firm who, for whatever reason, that's what is important to them. And they're able to kind of set those guidelines and boundaries to still be productive and efficient and, do a great job at work, but also have that balance for what their life requires at the time, at the moment. The support from supervisors and leadership is crucial, and it has an impact on both retention and the culture of an organization. I mean, I've been here 19 years. Um, I've come, you know, from staff to partner. Um, and I, I think what it, I, I never thought about leaving because I had a family. Um, I think so many times when I have, you know, a, a senior staff or a, a young manager get married, um, I, you know, unfortunately, you know, I've had the questions, oh, are they going to leave because they're married? Or now that someone's pregnant, oh, are they going to leave because, you know, they're starting a family? And, you know, I kind of just look back at individuals when they ask me that question. And it's, it's not anybody in Crow, it's clients that <laughs> ask the questions. And I look at them and I'm like, you know, I have two kids, right? Um, but for me, it, it always meant, Hey, these people have my back. So I, I didn't have my girls until I was a little bit older and I, I was a senior manager, um, when I had both girls, um, and obviously in a very pivotal role, you know, I'm, I'm striving to make partner and also, you know, going home because I have a kid that's growing up and my husband's job's not as flexible as mine. And, the support you get from above, at least the support I got from above, <laughs> was, I guess, I, maybe unexpected. Um, I once had another partner lead a prospect call, prospect introduction call, because I was sitting at home on the couch with a little one that was sick, and I'm like, you're going to need to talk because, you know, Morgan's babbling, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I'm IMing him questions to ask. 
skin <laughs> going through the whole process. And, and to me, I think most of my partners at Crow would do that. Um, Dennis had no trouble doing it and he's, he's done things like that for me before. Um, and I've just, I've never felt ever that I was making the wrong choice by going and taking care of my family versus doing what I should have been doing at work or what someone thought I should have been doing. Um, so I think, I mean, I've been here 19 years. I'm not planning on going anywhere, obviously. And it's because of the people I work with and the support. And, and like Courtney said, it's like a family. Um, you just pick up, you know, if someone can't do it, you pick it up and you move forward. Um, and, and you support them through whatever it is that they're going through at that time. The, the senior leadership needs to model what it looks like to live and work. <laughs> I think it's very good to have times where, you know, you have one of your, your shareholders that's working from home and a kid interrupts a call. Like, I, I think that's a really good thing sometimes because it just shows that, hey, we're all in this together. So I think the modeling is one. Also, when it comes to the top, I think it's just that, that constant messaging mm-hmm. of we're here to help. And part of that has been empowering different supervisors to say, this is, this is what we see and it's what we expect. <clears throat> Another thing I would say with the modeling is the use of PTO, like encouraging people to use it, encouraging people to take time off because mentally this has just been, been brutal. Mm-hmm. I mean, psychologically, this has just been brutal. Now, there, there's times where it doesn't make sense, but I think it's also encouraging and saying, you know, take time off, but you know, I'm going to be taking time off. I'm not going to be on my phone. That that sets the tone. And I think that just allows for that to permeate through the whole culture of, yeah, it's okay. It's okay to take time off. It's okay to have a kid that pops up in a video call and I, I don't need to be embarrassed. And yeah. Everybody's met my cat. And you know, <laughs> those, right. those things that I still think, I still think your staff and your seniors and maybe even, you know, managers to some degree, for people who have been there a long time, if they don't see that model, it becomes lip service. So that that is so important. Amy Vetter, CPA, has seen the profession make strides, but said more needs to be done. She's the CEO of the B3 Method and a member of the OSCPA Executive Board. She talked about how technology and even rethinking the business model are essential in the profession to allow more work-life integration. That's always been a struggle for the accounting profession. I mean, there's definitely been um, an evolution of a time where more and more firms are understanding that issue, and that's why technology became more and more important to allow people um, access remotely. But I think, uh, you know, it still comes down to a lot of firms that evaluate um, productivity by billable hours versus value pricing and product-based. And so, and getting the right technology in place. And so if you don't have that in place, it's hard to give people the right flexibility in their work uh, in order to, you know, for accountants to feel like they have a better balance between their work and their home life. And do you think that this has improved at all over the years? Like I know you mentioned technology um, has made a big difference in in being able to be flexible and work from home in different places. 
I mean, I, I think, uh, there are definitely firms that are ahead of, ahead of the average, um, that are more innovative and have, uh, built from the ground up a cloud, um, based practice and don't necessarily have staff all, you know, physically located in an office. I think it's the, you know, the firms that have always been traditional and offer more traditional services have had more of a struggle of moving um, into a cloud-based environment and allowing for alternative type of work schedules. I, you know, I think there's an intention to, but the reality is that every partner needs to be on board with it. And if, you know, all partners aren't in agreement, depending on, you know, which jobs you're working on, you know, it can be very different as far as, you know, your work-life situation. I, so I don't want to say that there's not improvement, but I, I think there's still a long way to go with it. And, you know, with all of the advisory work and um, speaking that I do, you know, this definitely rises to the top a lot of people struggling between their work demands the client demands and, you know, having enough time for their own life. When you talk about people feeling guilty about maybe not working enough and trying to figure out, you know, how to navigate that, how much time to devote to work versus family, what impact does this have on someone's mental health? Well, I definitely feel like we get uh, in the profession turnover because of it and um because people you know feel like they're they're being grinded out especially in the beginnings of their career and they look at you know someone that's later in their career and still working those types of hours and it makes them feel like this isn't a career that they want and a lot of times um you know i think that people, that younger professionals don't realize how many different opportunities there are available to them in the profession where they come in in one capacity and that's all they see or get exposed to versus being able to truly see uh, that there are, you know, so many different pathways in the profession and, you know, whether it be public or private, cybersecurity, uh, blockchain, um, there's just so many different areas that someone can, can have an alternative path. So for me, I think there's not enough exposure early on to, uh, different career paths that you're kind of set on a career path. And then if someone's unhappy or thinks that there's not enough balance, then they leave the profession versus understanding that it's, that's just a small, you know, there's so many different paths you can take. It's always to your advantage to figure out programs that would attract people and retain people. And I don't even know that it's just about flexibility. It's about growth. Um, And it doesn't mean that growth means the same thing to everybody. Like, 
you know, some people might want to be a partner one day or might want to be a vice president one day, but some people might want to learn different things. And that's growth for them. It's not necessarily that they want to move up, that, you know, they might want to get to a certain level, but, you know, one year really dive deep into retail and the next year dive really deep into um, startup companies. So I think, um, I think it's important that you look at growth opportunities for people multidimensionally. And that's why I'm saying, you know, even early on, giving people exposure to all the different types of things you could do in your career, that those things would be available to you as you grow at, you know, if you're at an accounting firm, um, as you grow there and we stay there, you don't have to leave the firm in order to learn something new or get other types of experience or specialization, um, that the education isn't just um, ANA compliance, that it's actually education that would grow that person in their skill set of what they need to, to do the things that they want to do in the future. Thank you to Steve, Andrea, Courtney, and Amy for taking the time to tell me more about accounting's place as a family-friendly profession and the steps being taken now and what needs to be done in the future. You can read more of our discussion in the July-August issue of CPA Voice, available now on our website. So what are your thoughts on accounting as a family-friendly profession? You can let me know at jsalerno, J-S-A-L-E-R-N-O, at ohiocpa.com. And please take a couple seconds to rate and review us on whatever podcast app you're using. Thanks for listening.